Haven't played since you left the bar in 2019. What have you been doing with yourself and do you miss playing? Um, so, when I joined Dumbarton um, after I'd left Falkirk, the kind of lure to go there, a big part of the incentive to go there was that they offered me a job as well as playing football. Um, my, my kind of second spell at Falkirk, which I'm sure we'll move on to later, kind of scunnered me quite a lot, to be honest. Um, right. I did have a couple of offers in relation to staying full-time, Wraith Rovers being an option and things, but at that point, I wanted to see what else was out there in terms of life after football. So joined Dumbarton, um, started work on the railway. That coincided with me starting to get quite a bad back um, right. and having probably for the first time in my career out with serious injuries, really struggling with just calf strains, back problems, etc. So that coupled with kind of life on the railway, I didn't... I didn't take to it particularly well. I wasn't enjoying it um, all that much. I have to say it was it was difficult um, with the night shifts, then trying to play on a Saturday, then training on a Tuesday and Thursday. I've got a little boy as well. It was a lot of commitment, um, and that transition from full time to part time uh, that was quite a big change for anybody. I think away from having a job, away from for the first time ever, away from doing all these things, just that transition in general was quite tough. So. I found myself at a stage where I was at a bit of a crossroads. Um, so I decided to couple up playing with them Barton with doing something completely different. So I applied for a job within Sky, um, right. just in a, in a contact centre. Um, you know, these these things come with a bit of a reputation, you know, the, the old contact centre work and answering phones. But I was at a stage where I really had to try something different. And given that I'd left home at 16, I, I didn't have the platform to go and pick and choose what I wanted to do. Um, as not many people do, you know, a lot of people or a lot of players as they move on in their career, they, that transition from playing to coaching to managing, it, it comes naturally. But I'd left the game a little bit earlier than most. So, you know, 31, 32. So there wasn't that natural progression. So I really did have to go and look for something else. So I did that. And, you know, I, I absolutely love working there. I, I really do. And I coupled it up with playing with Dumbarton, but you know, the first kind of a year working with Sky and kind of trying to juggle playing with Dumbarton, my back was it was knackered, Scott, to be totally honest. Yeah. Um I had a prolapse disc in my spine. I needed an operation if I wanted to get back playing anytime soon. Dumbarton had basically said, Look, you know, we're not really comfortable with you getting this operation, us funding it. And then it's going to take a long time to recover and will you actually get back? So we, we basically came to an agreement where, where I left the club and I really put my focus on Sky. Um, I'm now at a stage where I've been there for two years. Um, I'm now part of an in-house programme where they um, you know, give you the, the, the tools and the skills to go on and manage within the business. So hopefully that's just over the horizon for me, um, as well as having a lot of things to do with football in terms of my UEFA A licence and things. Yeah. That, cup, that coupled up with... Um, the kind of spell I've been through with Sky, I've, I've really got my head down. I've worked really, really hard over the last two years, asked loads of questions, uh, been really proactive in my own development. And um, I'm now at a stage where, you know, effectively for, for a year, I'm I, I'm doing a manager's role, um, which is great. Brilliant. You grew up in Stranraer and began, began your career in, at Kilmarnock at the age of 16. What were your early years at Kilmarnock like? Um. They were amazing, to be fair. Probably looking back now, probably two of the best years of my career, funnily enough. You know, it was the least money I've ever earned and it was 
you know, it wasn't playing first team football or anything. But when I look back at the experiences and the the, the times, it was it was really good. Obviously, leaving home at sixteen is a big step for anybody. Um, your very own Mark Wilson's parents took me in, and um, so I lived with them for for two years whilst yeah. I was was at the club. And and Mark, um, as much as he he's a wind up merchant, he he proper looked after me in terms of himself, his mum and dad, um, and made it really easy for me to make that transition from going from you know my own home where I grew up for 16 years to a brand new place, brand new town, city, whatever you want to call it. And aye, it was it was really, really good. It, it's changed so much football since those days. You know, yeah. I look back at the things we had to do. It was a full-time job. You know, we, I would report at half past eight um, and leave at half past four with the managers. Um, uh, obviously, the managers told you you could leave. Um, it wasn't a case of, you know, these days you finish training, you get in a shower and you leave as a... As, as a young boy, but no, back then it was really good. You know, first year there, we used to train at different parts of Ayrshire, um, whether that be uh, Troon, Irvine, whatever it may be, wherever we could get a pitch. Yeah. So we, we used to go in. Uh, Auchin Crew was a big one. We used to train down there uh, quite a lot. Uh, so what I used to do was I used to walk around every morning from um, the digs and go to the go to the club. But it was me and another local lad, Peter Logan, um, who's went on to have quite an interesting career at the moment. He's still in the game um, in a completely different capacity. So I'll get on to that in just a second. But yeah. uh, uh, So it was me and him every morning. We used to go in. Um, but back in those days, you used to deflate the balls every day after training. You used to then inflate them for training, then deflate them again at the end of the day to keep them as right as, as they could be, keep them in the best condition so that we didn't have to go through, you know, hordes and hordes, hordes of balls throughout the season. Um, you used to strap the goals onto the van, used to throw the nets onto the van, the pegs, everything. Used to build everyone from scratch, take it down at the end of training, clean boots, go, go in, clean the stadium. You know, you did everything from, from scratch. So because I was a local, um, stayed local, it was me and Peter that got the brunt of it, to be totally honest with you. Um, I, so it was it was an experience, but it was good as well. And on the playing side as well, obviously playing for the under-19s on a Saturday, uh, the reserve league used to be on a Monday night then, but again, it's not. It wasn't a development league back then. Yeah, you play Rangers or Celtic in the in the reserve league on a Monday night. There'd be two, three thousand people there. Um, you'd be mixing with the boys that didn't play first team for Celtic or Rangers on the Saturday. So big names. Um, and as a 16, 17 year old, unbelievable exposure to that type of environment, and it really does. It makes that transition from youth player, reserve player to first team so much easier. Whereas nowadays. There's a bit of cotton wool wrapped around everybody and that there is no, you know, it's, it's all development and um, protecting everybody. And, you know, back in those days, it, there was none of that. And it really set everybody up for yeah. whether you were able to make it or not and have, have a career in football, I think. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, what does that guy do now? So Peter Logan, so basically what happened was I left Kilmarnock, obviously, after a couple of years. Aye. Um, and Peter got released. <coughs> but... He texted me a couple of days later, a few weeks later, to say, Rory, oh, the, the manager's phoning me. What do you think he wants? Jim Jeffries. Um, I was like, I don't know, Peter, you need to phone him back. Um, so he phoned him back. And like I said, so it was it was a guy, Manny Fowler, great guy. He was a kit man at the time, really good guy. So we used to see the second year, we used to train at the um, science centre, uh, the, uh, the science parks up in Glasgow. Yeah. So every morning, me and Peter, and there used to be Manny and then one other room, uh, one other seat in the front of the van. And Jamie Hamill used to sit there as well. So me and Peter used to have to switch and one of us would sit in the back of the van with the gear. Nice seat, nothing, just in with all the gear on the way up the road. Um, so uh, that was an experience as well. But So he, he because Peter was quite hands-on with helping Manny with loads of things, um, Manny had left 
and Jim Jeffries had phoned Peter to ask if he wanted to be the kit man. Right. So Peter was the kit man at Kamalik for years and years and years. Right. Um, and then he ended up at St Mernes as the kit man and Jack Ross really took to him. So he's now the, the Hibs kit man. I seen him the other day on the telly lifting up the old uh, substitute um, scoreboard thing. So um, ah, he's, he's currently at Hibs as the kit man. So he's carved a decent career for himself. Probably not the career he thought he'd have in football, nah, but nah. there you go. Brilliant. Rangers signed in 2006 and you go into the youth team. How much did you enjoy this period and who were the good players in that team when you went there? So, the first six months was tough, I would say. Um, it's the first six months, you know, obviously moving out of digs where you still effectively got people looking after you, you know, cooking your meals. And like I said, it was a home environment there for me at Wisney. I call it digs at Wisney digs. It was like a, home, a second home for me. Yeah. So, going through that to literally being put in a flat being told this is where you're staying for two years and your flatmate for the next two years will be here in an hour. Mm. I've never met him before. Um, so it turns out he was a South African lad, Dean Furman, his name was. Yeah, that's right. He came for Chelsea. came for Chelsea, He made a couple of appearances in the first team. He probably should have got more opportunities. Yeah. You know, he, was, he was good. I think as well, when we, you know, growing up in Scotland, Rangers and Celtic are the focal point of every conversation, of yeah. every season. Mm-hmm. Um so there is a little bit of a an aura around the place when you first join Ox Rangers. Whereas he came from Chelsea, he was English, grew up in London with you know South African family. That kind of little bit of aura was wasn't there for him because he didn't know enough about it. So he came up with a lot with a bit between his teeth and didn't really have that. You know, we got Barry Ferguson's and all the different people that we kind of looked up to and were a little bit like, oh, there's. No, he just kind of came in and took the bull by the horns type thing and he did really well. He, he probably should have got more of an opportunity. So, But he's went on to have you know several caps for South Africa and the yeah. nas- national team and things. I think he's back in England now. He's just had a little one and he's playing for Carlisle United. But mm-hmm. um, I so lived with him for two years. We got on great. Um, really, really good. Um, I was a little bit disappointed. I, I was... I don't want to say promise the world, but Ian Durant played a big part in taking me from Command to Rangers. And at that particular time, you know, before you've signed, you're told you're going to get fast-tracked, you're going to be part of the first team squad, you know, you're going to get exposure to training with the first team. And when I went to Rangers, I quickly found out that I think everybody had been told that. So we made up the nucleus the nucleus of the, the youth team squad, effectively, the under-19s for my first couple of seasons there, which, to be fair, was amazing. We... We went toe-to-toe with Celtic. They had a really good team at the time. You had Paul Cadices, Mark Miller, um, and, and, and a few others. So, you know, ourselves, we had Stevie Lennon, Andrew Shinney, who's now at Charlton on loan. Yeah. It's a good good career down in England. Um, played up in Inverness for a spell. So, likes of him. And obviously, a couple of years ahead of me was your Charlie Adams, uh, Stevie Smith, Alan Hutton's that kind of age group who'd kind of progressed into the first team at this point. Um, and, and, and things. So, yeah, there's a couple of boys from that kind of period which have had the best career. In terms of that period of time, the, the player who's went on to have the best career was probably Nasey, Stephen A. Smith, obviously yeah. playing, playing with him at Kamala. He played in the odd youth team game now and then. He would, obviously would play with him every now and then in the reserve team. If he, if he wasn't playing for the first team, he was still young at that point. So in terms of the person who's went on to have the, or the player who's went on to have the most kind of lucrative career from that point was probably Nasey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just shows you as well the how much playing can benefit you at a young age. You know, Nasey wasn't a part of a youth setup where, you know, I was playing in the reserve team at one point, Scott, and I looked around me and, you know, Barry Ferris was coming back for injury. I was only youth team player in the reserve team. It was yeah. made up of first team players, you know, Stevie Whitaker when Cut Broadfoot was playing right back, uh, Christian Daly, um, Tam Buffel, um, Sebo. I know obviously he had a bit of an up and down career, but 
um, Sionko, you know, Wallersmith brought in a lot of players. So yeah. to try and compete and to get to a stage where you were actually going to get an opportunity was really, really tough. Um, but I suppose that's the nature of it. So, you know, looking back now, I suppose I asked myself, if I'd stayed at Kamarnik, I probably would have got more opportunities. You know, I had to sit down with Jim Jeffries. I was just a young boy. I had my first agent sat down there and, you know, Jim Jeffries was quite as he could be to the point. He does not mince his words. Um, I've met him a couple of times since, actually, and he seems to soften his old age. He talks away, but back then he was, uh, he, he sat me down and was basically told me how it was. And I was like, I, I knew in my head I was going to be moving on, but I, um, the transition from, from there to Rangers was good because that first season at Rangers, like I said, we went toe-to-toe with Celtic. It went down to the, the last game of the season in terms of the league. Um, we played them in the final of the Youth Cup. I think there was 12,000 at Hamden to see it, mm, that's right. um, which is a pretty big occasion. Uh, I was injured for that, unfortunately. I played right the way through up until that point. Um, but we won the league, we won the cup, and yeah, it, it was it was really, really good. Uh, and then obviously moving on to the kind of reserve team and being a bit of an older player there, I managed to make a couple of appearances, which given the time it was, they were getting to European finals, they were you know, winning the league, they were getting to um, domestic cup finals on a regular basis. So they've made a couple of appearances with the likes of Stevie Davis, Pedro Mendes, Charlie Adam, um, Carlos Quella. You know, it, it was an achievement looking back. By yeah. the time I was just desperate to play more football, but mm. obviously it never came to fruition at Rangers. Yeah, what were your loan spells like at Dunfermline and St Mirren? At Dunfermline, it was good. Really enjoyed it. It was, it, it was tough. It was the first time I'd been around a first team environment, and there was an expectation on me to perform at first team level. And you know the the consequences of not performing, where you didn't play, or the manager would be under pressure, or the fans would be on your back. At youth team level, you don't experience that so much. There's no an expectation on you, but alone signing coming to Rangers, doesn't matter what age you are, you're expected to contribute. And I started really, really well. It was only, I think, for a short period of time um, initially. I'd made my first team debut for Rangers in the November, went in the January for, I think, it was maybe only even a month, but I started really well. Um, performed my first appearance away to Queen of the South, come on as a sub, because I'd only signed the day before, did really well. And, you know, within three weeks, they wanted to extend it to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So as young boys do and young players do, my form dipped in and out, but overall it was a good experience. Um, it was a bit of an eye-opener is what I would say. Um, you know, Jim McIntyre went through me a couple of times to say the least. There was one example down at Morton where <clears throat> the the ball had came to me in the halfway line and I went to chest it down. We were under a bit of pressure at this point. Like I said, we'd started really well. Valentine's Day had scored the goal, which had taken his like, I think joint second in the league. It was the year St. Johnson went up. They went on a yeah. ridiculous, ridiculously good run. I think they hold the record for the most games unbeaten in that league mm-hmm. in a row. But it was pretty tight up until around that time. And then we go to Morton. I chest the ball in the halfway line. The ball gets nicked off me. They attack. The ball goes out for a corner. Gets whipped in. Goes out for another corner. Gets whipped in. Gets cleared off the line. Second phase comes back in and they scored. You know, so I've given the ball away, but I'm going to say three or four attacks later, they've scored. So we're into changing room after the game. I think we get beat 1-0 maybe. And I'm sitting there thinking, actually, they're okay in the game. And then the captain at the time had turned around and went, I'll not repeat what he said, but basically called me slack and no care or whatever else. And I was a, I was a half expectancy on, on the manager there at that point to defend me, but he never, he went right through me. And I think that's when I realised, you know, this is the real world. This this is proper first team football, especially at championship level, where people are. You know, Scott Wilson was the captain. He did a great career, but yeah. 
there's boys scrapping every week for their appearance fees. There's boys scrapping every week for their win bonus, getting on for that 15 minutes or performing or staying in the team for the following week. It was dog eat dog, it really was. Um, and that that exposure to first team football at Dunfermline was, um, it was tough, but it, it gave me a good grounding. And I went back to Rangers definitely in a better place than, than I was. I've scored, I think, three or four goals, but my frustration probably was that I was playing out on the left hand side, um, which at that particular time, Again, being a young boy, trying, you know, I, I was used to playing up front. I was used to running the channels, you know, taking the ball in, but no offence to the boys at that level, but playing with players who would play football with them. Fairman, it wasn't always like that. Although you had good players, it would be a scrap a lot, a lot of weeks. I think that's fair to say. And getting used to that was was tough. And I think transitioning to the left-hand side, where you, at that age, you need to have a good understanding of your positional sense, of how the team works, of defending, of running back. Um, and just working within that formation was was tough. Um, yeah. I was nineteen, I think it was nineteen or twenty, and like I said, playing up front was a different ball game because you know you could kind of get away with doing what you wanted, and you know I was good at scoring goals, I was good at you know, making goals, creating things. But with that playing out on the left hand side, you know, a game or two when nobody be playing so well, my confidence went a wee bit. I was out of the team, but then I went back in the team. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was a great experience. Jim McIntyre was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed working with him. He was he was very honest, very upfront. He would he would speak to you all the time. Um, made some good, really good friends there. Um, in terms of my time there, Stevie Bell, Graham Holmes, there's a lot of boys, Nicky Finn. I used to travel in with. That my experiences there were amazing. Uh, really, really loved my time with them filming. Like I said, um, I probably would have liked to have played more, but. Overall, I think I'd made maybe 18 or 19 appearances, which in a six-month period was good for me at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Smyrna one was, so I came back to Rangers, continued to play in the youth team, then I literally got a phone call. Um, I was playing darts around at my mate's house, um, and I literally got a phone call to say, you're going to St Myrna in the morning on loan. They were in the Premier League, um, and they had quite well-known strikers. So I'm looking at it going, right, I've got three hours to make up my mind, or I thought I could make up my mind. And, you know, you had your Billy Mehmet, your Craig Dargos, your uh, Michael Higdon's experienced professionals who'd been around the block, who knew what they were doing, who, you know, big boys who, who could hold themselves. So I'm looking at that going, well, am I going to play here? But there was a rule at the time, Scott, where you had to have three under-19s, or there was a particular rule, three under-21s or something on the in your match uh, squad. Yeah. So at the time... There was actually boys who would probably, you know, be, be playing some weeks that actually had to be sacrificed if they weren't starting and not even being in the squad Aye. because you had to make room. And some of them at the time didn't have a lot of youth players. So literally there were sitting 15 and 60-year-old boys on the bench. So my fear was that I was going to go there and I was just going to sit on the bench because I was a better option than a 16-year-old. Yeah. And so ended up going there probably against... Uh, you know, had it been five or six years down the line, I probably would have had more about me to say, no, I'm listening, I'm not going there. Mm. But at that time, Walter Smith told me I was going there. Nice. So, so I went and um, I made my debut at Easter Road the following day and I came on and did fine. But the following week, it was Higdon and Mehmet, they're going after 60. The following week, it was the same. My confidence went downhill and wasn't training particularly well at all. And the, the whole experience just turned into a complete negative for me. You know, I, I never played. I wasn't training well because nobody was talking to me. Andy Millen was brilliant. I used to go and speak to him regularly and he would kind of talk to me about everything else. But looking back now, I, I should have cut that short. I really should have cut that short yeah. and just said, listen, this is a waste of time. Um, 
I never got any opportunities, never played. I was basically used as exactly what my fear was at the start. Having said that, I wasn't doing enough in training um, to maybe merit a place, but there's got to be an understanding, I think, that you've brought me in. You've not given me any opportunities. You know, you're asking me... There was a lot of games at that time, Saturday, Tuesday. You're asking me to train on a Monday or Thursday to try and make an impression to get a game on a Saturday, but you're never, ever selecting me. Yeah. Even towards the end of the season, Scott, like, we were playing for nothing the last two games, and I still never got an opportunity. So it was a little bit like... It was just a waste of time. And looking back now, I just don't understand it. And, you know, towards my end of time, my time with Rangers... I had more about me at that point. So when I went back to Rangers, you know, I'd kind of spoken to Ali McCoyst about it and he'd kind of admitted himself I wasn't treated particularly well at St. Mern, or Not that I wasn't treated particularly well because I understand that Gus McPherson's there. He's scrapping for his job. His team's fighting relegation. He's picking what he thinks is his best team. Mm. But there's still got to be an element of communication there. Yeah. Um, so, again, the squad was great. The boys were great. Nothing bad to say about Gus McPherson at all because I completely understand it. But... At that stage, for me personally, it was just a waste of time. Yeah, definitely. Rangers gave you two new contracts and you made your debut against Inverness. Did Walter Smith tell you about getting a future run in the first team and what was the feeling like to make your debut at Ibrooks? Oh, it was amazing. It's something I'd worked towards since I was probably eight years old. You know, I grew up in Stranraer where opportunities are limited. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you want to make a career in football, you need to be committed and that's not just me, that's my family as well. Um, you know, I'd I'd played local football in, in Stranraer and then Govan, everyone thinks I say Govan when I'm saying that, I'm saying Govan, the, the, <laughs> the Ayrshire town. Um, you know, I, I started playing with them on a Saturday. Did well. Um, you know, it was fair to say I was the standout player in that team. Mm-hmm. Um, then ended up moving further up that, that road to, to Air United. And, you know, th- these are training sessions on a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday, mm-hmm. playing, on a, playing on a Saturday. So my dad used to take me up and do it all the time. Um, I'd finished school, go up, back down again. So um, it was really difficult to kind of forge a career in football is what I would say. Then I ended up obviously going to Kamarnik and then to, to, to Rangers again. So, yeah. um, it, it, you know, the two new contract Rangers gave me, they, they, it felt amazing to have put all that work in and that commitment to my mum and dad to be there, watch me run out at Ibrox, something I'd worked towards since I'd been, you know, so, so young. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience. We're 5-0 up and... It was a double substitution. It was me and Barry Ferguson. Barry Ferguson had been out for a good few months with an ankle injury. So we made our, uh, I made my debut. He came back to injury at the same time and we came on obviously at the same time. The roar went up. At that time as well, young boys just didn't play. They didn't Aye. make appearances. Walter Smith had a big turnaround job to do when Paul Le Guin left. Mm-hmm. Paul Le Guin was, was, was great in terms of youth players and giving you exposure to train with the first team and having you, giving you experiences and proper put a focus on the youth players but he wasn't getting results on the park nice. Walter, Walter Smith came in and signed a barrel load of players and was unbelievably successful mm-hmm. um, but with that came more players in the first team pool, became less opportunities for, for the younger boys so mm-hmm. to make that debut the fans I think looked at it at that particular time going this boy must be doing well because you know youth players don't really come through, don't get me wrong on the back of that your Danny Wilsons, your Greg Wilds, these boys started to come through but at that particular time there wasn't a lot um, so I came on and I did fine. Um, I'll never forget one that, you know, I think it was Chris Burke. I don't quote me on that. It was somebody who was running down the left-hand side anyway. And I was arriving on the penalty spot. And I'm not saying I was going to score, but I had an un- I had the keeper to beat pretty much if, 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 if Nacho steps over it. But Nacho ended up trying to shoot, which to be fair, if I was him, I would have done it all. But, you know, I think the way I played in the reserve team, I was a goal scorer. Yeah. Um, 
there were probably better footballers than me at that particular time, but I would score every single week. So I knew that if I could go on and score, that gets people talking. So that was my yeah. sole focus in that game was just get the ball in the net. It doesn't matter if it comes off your arse, comes off your head. It doesn't matter. Just get the ball in the net. Mm-hmm. But we were 5-0 up against Inverness. You've got Bouguera doing stepovers down the left-hand side and then cutting back. And the game is dead with 35 minutes to go. So I struggled to make an impact, it's fair to say. Um, so I, but then on the radio driving home, you know, hearing Walter Smith on the radio, obviously he was asked about me, he'd said I'd earned my place. It was, I was there on merit. What's me to do with this rule? Obviously, the 21 rule, um, and that I would be getting more more experience with with the first team squad. But obviously, a month later, I found myself at, at Dunfermline. Yeah. Then after Rangers, you Kyle signed you. Were you excited to test yourself down south? And how did you feel about leaving Rangers? I was disappointed to leave Rangers, but I was 23. I had to play. So what had happened was. We played Carlisle in a, in a bounce game. There was a centre-back down there who'd had a bad injury, so he came back for his injury. And because, obviously, Carlisle's just the other side of the border, they had arranged a, a bounce game with, uh, with Rangers, and I'd played in it. So I'd scored two, scored a penalty, missed a penalty, and scored for open play. Carlisle needed a striker at the time. And so there was a bit of interest from that point moving forward. But, obviously, I remember that I'd scored just as many goals in the reserve league as I was scoring my whole career in terms of yeah. when I'd been at Rangers so it was a little bit of a, a crossroads in terms of Rangers were playing I think St Murnham at home and Inverness at home the next two games so it was like a period of two games where they'd be expected to win so my agent had said to me I'd changed agents at this point my agent had said look you've got nothing to lose here go to Walter Smith and just say listen throw me in for two games see how I do if I don't do it at least I can leave gone I know I wasn't good enough, mm-hmm. or at least I've had an opportunity. So obviously, I had a little bit more about me that I'd, I'd experienced enough and been around the game enough to be able to hold myself. Um, so it was what it was. Ali McCoyst ended up speaking to about it. Now I think I think Coyste liked me because I could score a goal, and that's mm-hmm. what he was a master at. So yeah. he liked I could sniff out a goal, but I wasn't a particularly big physical presence, and I wouldn't really put myself about. That wasn't an aspect of my game. And I don't know, I just never got the impression that Walter Smith thought I was going to make the grade. So I decided to speak to Koisty about it. So I went and said to him, listen, I've got Kaleo knocking on the door to have a look at me, to go down for a week or two. I said, I want to play here. Like, give me an opportunity. What he basically said was, listen, you're out of contract in six months. Go down to Cowden Beef, um, play there, see how you get on. And, you know, we can talk in the summer. And I kind of was like, well, I've been to Dunfermline, who, no disrespect to Cowden Beef, were a better team than Cowden Beef in that, in that division. I'd played enough games to say that that period had done me well. Yeah. I, I didn't see at that point how scoring even 10 goals for Cowden Beef in a three-month period was going to get me an opportunity with, mm-hmm. with Rangers, with the squad they had. So I said, listen, can you just go and speak to the manager, sit down with him, and see how keen... So I ended up actually speaking to the manager as well, and basically, it was ciphered back to me, listen, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get an opportunity in the next two games. So they were really pushing for me to go to Cowden Beef. And Jimmy Nicholl was there at the time. And Walter Smith, I think, was good good pals with Jimmy Nicholl as far as I could read through the lines at the time. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't the move for me. It didn't feel right. Just like the Superman one didn't at the time. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go down to Carlisle. Um, I'm going to train there for two weeks and see what comes here. So we, so I went down there and I trained for a week 
and what had happened was I was already pack my bags to go down on the, the Sunday night to, to get ready, stay at my mum and dad's, just stay in the freeze to then drive across to Carlisle, train, so there we go on. So just about to leave on a Sunday night, gets a phone call from my agent. Rory, uh, Carlisle got a great result of the weekend, so the, the manager done there was giving them the Monday off. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Went in, trained at Rangers on the Monday, went down on the Monday night, trained on the Tuesday, um, did pretty well, trained on the Thursday. They asked me back on the Friday. Um, again, did I trained pretty well all week, to be fair, and they were after a striker, so the manager had said, listen, come back in next week, but I want to talk to you pretty, pretty early. So I ended up, by the following Friday, they'd offered me a two-and-a-half-year contract, um, which was quite a good feeling, to be fair, because it was a good level. It was League One at the time. Now, they were banging on the door of the playoffs, so it was a, it was a great move for me at the time. I wasn't going to play at Rangers. The thought of going to League One in England with the opportunity to do well, that opens up so many doors, as opposed to going to Cowdenbeath on loan, with that uncertainty of... You've got to remember as well, Scott, away from the fact that you know you want to play at Rangers, if, if you go on loan to Cowdenbeath for six months and you don't do particularly well, what's your next move after that? Aye. I'm not sure you're getting a club. So Aye. at that stage, the security of a two-and-a-half-year de- uh, deal down in England to, to develop was... I couldn't turn it down. So I went back up the road, and there was a... I used to be their manager at the time, Jim Sinclair, who I think has appeared in Sunderland documentaries since, who <clears throat> was pretty difficult to work with, I would say, as a young boy. And he'd, you know, he'd professed to me how Khalil went interested in me and it was a stone's throw for Murray Park in terms of the, the UK. And they, if they really wanted me, they would have watched me. And, you know, this was nonsense and Cowden Beef was the one to go to and all the rest of it, trying to push me down a path I didn't want to go down. So right. to, go back, to, to, to go back to him and say, listen, they've offered me a two and a half year deal, felt good. So anyway, ends up leaving Rangers, um, signs for Carlisle. And so the manager had said to me at that point in time, look, um, you're not going to play a lot of games between now and the end of the season. I've kind of got my team. We're, we're actually doing well. They were, in, they were in the semi-final of the Johnson's Paint Trophy as well. Yeah. So they, beat they beat Huddersfield 4-0 at home. And the second leg was in a couple of weeks after I signed. So the team was doing well. It wasn't like they were only doing well. And so I went down there and I, I did exactly what he said. Played seven or eight games and throughout, started seven or eight games, made loads of appearances. They came on in the final at Wembley in the JPT, we won that. And, you know, went and played plenty of games down in bigger stadiums, played down at Charlton, Swindon, you know, the league, all the League One grounds, which was great. League One's a strange league because at one end you've got your Yovos, which Crawleys and all these different places, which... They're not the most <laughs> desirable places to play. But at the top half of the league, you've got your Charlton's, you've got your Portsmouth. Southampton were in the league at the time, so yeah. I played at St Mary's. I ended up starting that game. So, aye, so loads of different experiences in the first six months. But moving on to the following season, the manager basically threw down the gauntlet to say, right, this is your year. Um, and I was a little dis- bit disappointed not to start the season because he'd kind of said, well, it's a, a clean slate. And I started the season really, really well uh, in terms of pre-season, but I never started the first game. So the way my contract worked at Carlisle, because they'd seen me over, a, they'd seen me playing a bounce game at Rangers and they'd seen me over a two-week trial period, they'd basically said, right, this is your contract. I wasn't earning what other first-team boys would earn, but the manager said, if you can make 25 starts for me next season, as in the season I was just about to go into, yeah. then we'll sit down and we'll talk about a new contract. We'll not put anything in writing, but we'll sit down and we'll agree a new contract on you know a wage which is which mirrors a first team player at Carlisle. Yeah. So I thought brilliant, that's absolutely fine. I still had two years left. It was a summer, I played a lot of games. 
then I broke into the team quite early in the season. We did a really poor result first game of the season against Noss County. Uh, I didn't play that game, but got into the team. I was playing every week. Funnily enough, I was playing the left-hand side, and I must have just been more mature as a player at that point because I was doing well. I was playing every single week. Um, gets to my 25th appearance. Um, so, obviously, it's in my head. It's Boxing Day 2011. I've you know, made 24 starts that year, which is good. If I keep going at that rate with the amount of games in League One, you know, I'm on to play to start 50 games in League One, and we were flying. We're doing really. We'd signed Lee Miller, we had John Paul McGovern. Yeah. So with the three Scottish boys up front, we got on really well off the pitch. Everything was just falling into place. So 24 starts later, going to make my 25th start in the back of my head, going, you know, it was a sellout at, at Deepdale Preston, 20,000 fans. We had four and a half thousand down the road for that. It was incredible. Eight minutes in. Um, I knew Davey Gray I was playing against Davey Gray I played against a couple of times a right back and I thought he's going to let me know he's there he's, he's not the best defender in the world but he's hard on the tackle mm. um, lo and behold eight minutes in boom snapped my leg in three places um, so I'm lying on the ground I'm looking down it was a proper like Henrik Larson one where it's like Aye. it's just it's just gone so obviously I'm on the ground legs mangled lying there going uh, obviously, all the things passed through your, your head in, in the instant. So my body went into shock. But as I'm getting wheeled off, it took about 10 minutes to get me off the pitch. I'm thinking, well, this was going so, so well. I was getting linked with championship teams, Ipswich, uh, amongst a couple of others. So at that point in time, I was I was absolutely loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also in the back of my head going, well, we're going to sit down after this game. And I've done well enough to go, to go in and say, well, I want to earn as much as anybody else is earning. Like, I've, I've done that well. Yeah. But obviously, I broke my leg in three places. A club like Kaleo can't afford to hand out contracts to boys who are injured, especially yeah. going to be injured for, for about a year. So to say that was disappointing is an understatement. Um, I was really enjoying the football. And then Lee got injured maybe a couple of months later. And we ended up finishing one place out of the playoffs. And, you know, a season which had so much potential just ended up being so disappointing on a number of levels. Mm-hmm. Um, spoke to the manager who Greg, who I absolutely loved working with down there. Um, he was a really good guy. Um, kind of, ah, he, he was, he was, a, he was a good guy. Um, I, I loved working with him. But he pulled me in and basically said, "Listen, we can't offer you anything more than you're on at the moment. You've got another year and a half left." He says, "We'll give you an extension for a year on the same money." But at that point, I was like, "You know what? I'll just see how it goes." But I had so many complications with that injury and yeah. it took me so long to get back from it that, you know, too much time had elapsed. I got back in the team actually about, uh, so that happened in October, uh, on Boxing Day 2011 and I ended up making my next appearance on New Year's Day 2013. But obviously it took me a month or two to get back into the swing of things and I had a run in the team and I scored three or four goals, but probably it's fair to say I never properly, wasn't properly recovered at that point. Yeah. And I'd went from aye, that game before 2011, the world was at my feet, it really was, to a year and a half later, being released to Kalil and not having a club. And my agent telling me, listen, you've kind of fell off the face of the earth in terms of football. You've no properly played in 18 months, so we're going to need to be patient this summer. So I went into that summer with my new job and and really just waiting for a phone call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You joined Falkirk, did you... Were you excited to work with Gary Holt? Uh, aye. Obviously, Gary Holt, in terms of management, is a different per, uh, prospect to what he was then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if anyone was to say you were going to work under Gary Holt now, 
they would they would look forward to that. They'd be excited about that because his track record at Falkirk and at Livingston is is exceptional. So I think it's a different prospect then, but obviously back then he, it was his first experience with management. So I I mean I went in on trial. Um, it was late on in the summer. I you know I hadn't. I had my ball in my hand, I had my boots on, ready to go down the Glasgow Green and another day of running, another day of um, looking after myself in terms of, you know, just waiting on a phone call. So I get a phone call that night to say, listen, come up to Forfa, there's a trial game for, for Falkirk and Lyle Taylor's going to be leaving. So mm-hmm. he's going to go down to Sheffield United, you know, they're looking for a striker. So I says, brilliant, right, okay, that's fine. So ends up going to Falkirk on trial, goes up to Forfa. And it was the youngest squad I've ever seen. I thought it was a crash I was walking at me. <laughs> and I thought, geez, oh, like what's going on here? Because England, League One England is Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It's big. You're playing against big men. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not the most technically gifted, but they're physical. Yeah. So I went through that to the other end of the spectrum, going on trial with Falkirk. Some of them obviously weren't all kind of, there was a lot of younger boys in the squad as well. And I thought, oh, what have I got myself into here? And then they got the balls out and they were just popping the ball, pass, 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 pass. And I thought, maybe I've thought to myself too early here. This is a good standard. Um, that's one thing Gary Holt always did at Falkirk. He put good football and entertainment over, I don't want to say results, but it was more important to him to build a team that was good at football, that were entertaining mm-hmm. and they looked forward to a Saturday than a team that would just grind out a result here and there. And I think that worked so well with our group of players. We had so many young players, you know, Conor McGrandles, Will Volks, who's now at Cardiff. Um, myself, who was still relatively young, 24, um, we had a really good goalie in Michael McGovern mm-hmm. and um, Craig Sibold. We had loads of young talent there. Um, you know, Stephen Kingsley, Jay Fulton, these boys have went on to have good Premier League careers mm-hmm. um, now playing in the Championship. Obviously, Kingsley's now at heart. So we had the nucleus. We didn't know it at the time, obviously, because we we're all still young and you don't know how anyone's going to develop. But I remember scoring against Forfa, which was a good start, obviously. And then we got a penalty. So I picked up the ball and there's a midfielder who comes up to me who'd just signed. And he'd said, oh, I missed one in training last week. And the boys were laughing at me like, can, you, can I have it? Let me, let me have it. He's trying to take the ball off me. And I was like, no, I'm taking it. And he went, well, come on, I'm, I said, listen, mate, I'm playing for a job here. Mm-hmm. I think that realisation kind of hit him and he went, fair enough, like, you take it. Right. So um, I took it, scored it, was fine, played, played fine the rest of the game, came off and then played a couple more trial games, agreed a contract. Yeah, I agreed a contract and, and went from there and, you know, the... We were training at Allow at the time. They they put the plastic pitch down at Falkirk, so we're waiting on that getting laid before we could train on that. Now it's a totally different pitch to what it is now. Back then, when it was first laid, it was the best best astro in the country by a by a mile. That that's yeah. hundred. That, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I heard Gary Holt on the radio recently on uh, Super Scoreboard actually speaking about having the green pellets and how it looked and the difference it made to your psych to the psychology of it and not having the black pellets, which everyone dreaded. You know, there was something about those black pellets. I think mm-hmm. so. We got. Got the pitch down, got um, got training on it, and it suited us to a tee. We were a very good footballing team, very, very good footballing team. And I went on to have a, a great season. I think I scored 24 goals, um, got player of the, nominated for player of the year, got players player of the year within the club. 
and we just missed out on getting promoted. It was so disappointing. Um, I still believe that us and Hamilton were the best team in the league that year. Um, it was a strange one because we actually finished three points behind Dundee, who finished top, but they did have the players to grind out a 1-0 when they needed to. Mm-hmm. It, it was a strange one. Dundee, I think we took, I think we got three wins in a draw against Dundee. They never beat us. Um, Hamilton never beat Dundee and we couldn't beat Hamilton. So we all cancelled each other out. So it was the results against the other teams. Mm-hmm. We went to Dumbarton, which was a pivotal game. We were, I think we were about 15 points off the pace or something ridiculous in November. In mid-February, we'd won like nine on the bounce and we found ourselves clear at the top. Um, then we went to Dumbarton and we were 1-0 up and we threw that one away and we finished 2-1. And I think little moments like that just showed the slight inexperience in the squad at times and it cost us in the end. But to finish three points off top, a lot of people, I think, tipped us to struggle that year. I was an unknown quantity in terms of the championship in Scotland. A lot of the young boys hadn't really played much. So we were so unlucky to miss out on promotion. We really were. And then we went on to the playoffs and we beat Queen of the South. We went down there, get beat 2-0. Went back to our place, 1-3-1 in extra time. We scored another, went through, played Hamilton. Um, this was the first year that the, the you know the players yeah. the way they are. They now they were set up, so went on to play Hamilton, drew one each at our place. We went to Hamilton on the Saturday, and we conceded a goal early, and we just cancelled each other out. It finished one 0 and that was the famous one where Jason Cummins said he could open a tin of beans in the final. Remember he scored two 0 at Hamilton, nice. um, spanked one in the top bin with his left peg. They were two 0 up going into the late Easter Road and mm-hmm. took Hamilton for granted. We knew how good Hamilton were, mm-hmm. and Hamilton knew how good we were. And I remember being on holiday and I watched the game um, from a bar in Tenerife. Sure enough, Hamilton came out, popped the ball around, scored, um, scored again. Tony Andrew had a great year that year. Yeah. Um, and they won on penalties. And it just shows you the moments as well. Look what Alec Neal's done since then. You know, you, you look at Alec Neal, if, if Hibbs had won that penalty shootout and he'd stayed in the championship, for me, he got his move to Norwich, quite rightly so, on the back of being top of the Premier League. I think he was in something ridiculous like November or something with, with his Hamilton team when they got promoted so small margins and small lines in football make a huge difference yeah definitely the Scottish Cup final was your last appearance for Falkirk what was the memories of that day? overwhelming disappointment I think um, I think everyone knew that there was a it was an end of an era in terms of a couple of boys moving on I was moving on um, Mick was moving on Mick McGovern um, oh no, I'll tell a lie, it was Jamie McDonald that year actually, Mick had already moved on. But th- there was a bit of a kind of end of season, end of year feel to it, but it was all geared up to the final. Um, we'd had a little bit of a disappointing season within the, the league campaign. I got injured in the quarterfinals of the Cup uh, down at Queen of the South. I'd signed a pre-contract with Dundee. I'd done so well the first year and I'd started the, the following season really, really well as well. So I had quite a lot of interest from the bottom, bottom half of the, the Premiership and a couple of teams within the championship as well. But in terms of the championship, I was happy at Falkirk. Um, I would quite like to have went back down south to give, it a, to give it a bash, but it looked like I was going to need to wait to the summer to see if that was going to come to fruition. But Paul Hartley Dundee was quite keen on taking me, and he'd put an offer down, which I couldn't really say no to, let's put it that way. So mm-hmm. it was a three-year deal, and it was money that, um, that I wasn't prepared to turn down at that point, given how hard I'd worked to get back to a point where, you know, with the whole Carlisle contract situation and the injury and all that, I felt like I owed it to myself to to, to sign that contract because my concern was that obviously between there and the end of the season, it was in the back of my head, if I get injured again, if I get injured again, mm-hmm. which is quite a negative way of thinking. But I think when you've been through that experience, 
it's inevitable you're going to have that train of thought. So signed a pre-contract the following week on BT Sports, played Rangers, scored, got man of the match, got interviewed after the match. I'm sitting there going, have I went too early here? Have I went too early? Um, should I have just bided my time? Following week, we played on BBC One on a Friday night and we played Queen of the South away in the quarterfinals of the Cup and I got a hairline fracture in my leg, my other leg. So I was out for 14 weeks. Mm-hmm. My next appearance was the final. Um, yeah. So that was dif- that was difficult. Our league form had dipped and we'd, we'd come away. I think we'd finished fifth. We didn't even make the playoffs, but we'd made the Scottish Cup final. Actually, we went into that game knowing that we had more than enough to win the game against Inverness. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'd won on the Saturday against the Hibs. Uh, against Hibs. The following day, Inverness were playing Celtic. Now, in our head, Celtic had won that game, but yeah. they, I think they went one or two up, and it was the one with the handball on the line. I don't know if you yeah. remember it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, Inverness ended up going through. So all of a sudden, we've got an unbelievable chance to win a major trophy. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, a team out with the Premier League hadn't won the Scottish Cup since 1958 or something ridiculous. So we, we'd spent a week down in Swansea preparing. Um, Swansea had, with a good connection with Swansea because Jay Fulton um, had went down there and Stephen Kingsley. So mm-hmm. uh, one of our other youth, youth players had went down there as well. So they said, come down here for the week. We'll put you up in a hotel. We'll look after you. We'll, you can use our training pitches. Just a way of kind of bonding before the final because we didn't have another game because of the way the league worked. Inverness yeah. was still playing, playing in the league. They had three, four league games left and our season had finished. Yeah. So we had to find a way of keeping ticking over. We had to find a way of... Um, you know, keeping the, 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 the morale and the, the togetherness up. So we went down there and did that and came back up, got prepared for the final, went, stayed at, um, it was Cameron House or Murhall it might have been. You know, when I was at Rangers, these things were, were a regular occurrence when you were playing in an old firm game or a, or a Champions League match, which I was involved in quite a few times. So, you know, that was with a club like Falkirk, you know, staying at the Murhall was a big deal. So it had, it had a cup final feel about it, which was, which was really, really good. Um, I think we all wanted to win it for a number of reasons. Obviously, all being so young, we wanted to kind of prove the doubt was wrong. We wanted to, everybody wanted us in the semi final, Scott. It was Inverness, Celtic, and Hibs. Mm-hmm. It was common knowledge that everybody wanted to draw Falkirk. You would hear it on the radio, you would hear it here and there, you would hear it on the phone ins. Or if we can get Hibs ended up getting us and we ended up beating, beating Hibs. Um, we were capable of doing that, we really were. And then comes to the final, the manager sets his stall out with one up front, just myself. To kind of, I think ha- have enough players in midfield to be able to get a grip of the game is what I would say. Um, we had Will kind of holding midfield, Will Volks, you know, Sibs just beyond them as well. Good players on the ball to try and get a hold of the ball to try and you know play our way into the game. Inverness had a lot of the ball. Your Tansy and things again, they're good, experienced players. They get on the ball, they switch it from side to side. John Hughes teams are notorious for keeping the ball. It can be a slog when you're playing against a John Hughes team because they don't give the ball away mm-hmm. and they recycle it and recycle it and recycle it. They don't hurt you in the final third all that often, but your concentration can go very easily against John Hughes' teams because, like I said, they keep the ball so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not getting a kick. So they scored. They went 1-0 up. Marley Watkins had scored. And we went in at half-time. And the manager had kind of had a discussion and kind of had an open discussion about how to approach the game. Now, I'd kind of tried to put forward that, look, we need to change it now as opposed to, I don't want to go 2-0 down and with, with 20 minutes to go. And then, so we ended up changing it. No, because of me, the manager obviously decided, listen, we're going to throw Botty Biabi on, who ended up, like I said, going down to Swansea. So he was young, he was so raw. 
but he had enough about him. He was physical to, to cause problems. He comes on. We start the second half really well. We are the better team. Nerves start to kick in for Inverness because it's getting to that time where you've got half an hour to go or you know, we, we can see the trophy. We can smell the trophy. Um, they weren't playing as well as they were. He gets a man sent off. Blair goes through on goal. Tramarco gets sent off. We win a free kick five minutes later and we score. Peter Grant, great header. Whole place erupts. And at that point, we were far too giddy. We, we should have taken a step back. See, if we'd had five minutes to gather our thoughts, I think we probably would have went on to win that game. We went gung-ho. We went at them, we went at them, we went at them. And we didn't need it. There was still another half an hour after that where they had 10 men and we were on top. We had, effectively at that point, we had 55, 60 minutes to win the game. But we tried to win it in 25. We committed too many men forward once in about the 90, about the 85th, 86th minute. And the ball breaks, cracks. David McCracken goes to press on the halfway line. And he slips. Unlucky. Just slipped, lost his footing. Um, Marley Watkins runs through, cuts inside, shoots. Jamie McDonald, who, to be fair to him in the Hibs game, he was a big reason as to why we were at the final. Yeah. He'd had some unbelievable appearance. Uh, performances throughout the season away to your hips away to your hearts because they were all in the league at this point I think he'll admit himself he could have done a lot better he pams it out straight into the path of James Vincent who taps it in yeah. and it was one attack they'd had I think since the since we'd scored and it was oh it was devastating like it was absolutely devastating um, aye so it was a it was a horrible way to end my time at Falkirk because I'd absolutely loved it. I'd loved the club, the people, everyone about it. And it was the first time in my career. I'd done well at Kalil, but I certainly wasn't the main man. Lee Miller was 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 the main man. He was the he was a striker. He was playing really, really well. He was scoring goals. I was a pivotal part of that team, but I wasn't like I wasn't indispensable. You know, we had other players in reserve, Francois Oko and other players who could come in. But in that Falkirk team, I was the main man for two seasons. I was kind of the one who they relied upon for goals, they relied upon performances. And I took so much confidence in that. Mick as well, probably, to be fair. Mick in the first season was, was just as pivotal. He, he was an unbelievable goalie as his careers went on to, to show. You know, my match against Germany, I think he got in the Euros at one point. So, yeah. um, but it was that was a nice feeling to to, to go into a team and and, and, and feel that way. And, it, it, you know the, the experience that uh, the experiences that I had at Falkirk were, were amazing. You know that pressure to win every week to try and win a league title to get to a Scottish Cup final. The people that I met, the, the it's an it's an unbelievable club. It really is from from top to bottom. They had an unbelievable youth structure. They've got other youth development players on the wall who have broke through. And again, they brought so many players through. Scott Arfield being one of them. You know, I go yeah. back to I go back to the to the example I gave earlier. Stephen A. Smith getting his grounded at command playing. I don't know what he played, 100 games at Kilmarnock, might have been more, might have been less, moves on with a better grip. Scott Arfield's the same, whereas obviously making that move to Rangers, I got caught up in a system where I'd made two appearances when I was 20, by the time I was 23. Yeah. So it's just, you never know what's around the corner, corner on football, but that, that particular game probably was the most gutted I've been after a football game. Yeah, definitely. You've spells at Dundee, St Mirren, and then back to Falkirk. Did you feel as if these could have been better spells in your career? Um, I mean, the second spell at Falkirk, of course. Uh, you know, there's there's no two ways about that. It was it was unbelievably disappointing. Um, Dundee and St Mirren. I mean, St Mirren definitely not. Um, I, I, when I, you know, 
to kind of start with the St. Burn spell before I, I talk about Dundee, the, the St. Burn one was was probably as successful as it could have been. Yeah. Um, I was at a stage in my career where I wasn't playing at Dundee. I'd asked the manager to go on loan. He granted me, yes, you can go on loan. St. Murn were cut adrift to the league by about 11, 12 points um, in the championship, that is. I had Morton desperate to sign me. They were third. They had a really good year under Jim, Jim Duffy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I had just about every team in between the two keen to take me. But there was something about St. Murn. I was like, I've heard so many good things about Jack Ross. I've got something to prove at St. Murn. I went there, I don't know how long, I never played. It just feels right. I don't know why it felt right, but they were cut adrift at the bottom. So since the end of January, you know, it was a massive overhaul at St. Murn that year. In the January, they were cut adrift at the bottom. Like I said, I don't know how many points they were. Stick on for relegation. I don't know if the bookies had paid out by this point, but they were, miles, I, they were miles and miles off it. Um, and so I got brought in. I was a wee bit short in fitness because I hadn't played a lot of games, but by the time I caught up fitness-wise, um, I was out of the team for a couple of games whilst I caught up with fitness. We also drew Dundee in the Cup as well, and I couldn't play because I was on loan to them, and they'd won. So I ended up missing a couple of games in the back out because the team had done well. Um, but then I got back in the team. I think played every game between, I don't know, mid-Feb and the end of the season. Scored five goals. Jack Ross sat down with us, I think, at the start of it all. There's so many new signs. Basically wrote down every single game, sat down with everybody and went, how many points do you think we can get? How many points do you think we can get? How many points? Broke it down at the first time. You know, that kind of cliche, one game at a time. Mm-hmm. The first, first, because people, that is a cliche, but generally speaking, that is how football is approached. That was the first time ever that a manager had sat down and went, right, let's look at this picture. Where are we getting our points? How are we getting our points? Um, and we sat down as a group and had an honest discussion about what we could do and how we could do it. And we clawed back enough points that, um, you know, Air United, we were, you know, beating them 2-0 away from home, 5-1 at home, beating Wraith Rovers 5-1 at home. We're beating, we're beating everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really were. We were going to Falkirk, we were top, top of the league, I think. Um, we got uh, with Dundee United at home, we beat them. We were just picking up points left, right, centre. The momentum we gathered was, was unbelievable. And I think two weeks before the the January window, Jack Ross had ended up in the crowd after a defeat at home between the South, talking to fans about That's right, yeah. how, what he was going to do to try and fix it. So, comes to the last game of the season against Hibs at Easter Road. They'd won the league, so it was a sellout. We had taken... We'd packed out the away end. Hibs had sold at the stadium because it was trophy day. We needed a point to stay up. If we lost, we were in the playoffs. <clears throat> so it was a very even game, uh, is what I would say. And they went 1-0 up in the start of the second half. We came into the game. It was chances at both ends. Then Lewis Morgan breaks forward, cuts right across the pitch plays it to Stevie Mallon, who kind of fakes to shoot, takes another touch, it was a wee bit heavy. I've cut across the defender and slotted it in the bottom corner. And the, again, the, there's clips of it online. I'm sure you'll you'll find them, but, you know, St. Murn fans went mental. Um, so in terms of the, my loan spell at St. Murn, I went there, I scored five goals in a four-month four, four month period, played a lot of football, scored the goal that kept them in the league. Um, aye, so, the, I mean, that was great. And it justified my decision, I think. Uh, Wraith Rovers ended up in the playoff spot, got relegated to League One. And Morton ended up in the playoffs, I think, and got knocked out in the first round. That's not... Uh, you know, it's crazy how football changes as well. See, see, that time, the only reason I was able to sign for St. Murn because Jack Ross had said to me, look, I need to get Lawrence Shankland out to get you in. Yeah. So 
I was going to be I was going to be sitting for Morton, right? So Morton wanted me. I ended up going to St Martin, which meant Morton still needed a striker. At that particular time, Lon Shanklin was going down to sign for Air United. Yeah. But ended up going back up the road to Morton when Jim Duffy wanted him. Played against him. I played against Morton two times in that season, and Shanklin was just okay. He signs for the other season later, and That's all's forgotten. It's it's, it's 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 unbelievable, honestly. Like it's a man. I don't. As far as I was, I didn't play with Shanklin at Mun, but as, as far as I was, I was aware, he struggled. And it just shows you maybe the right manager, the right club, the right person, just to get that bit of confidence. And he went to United, and you know some of the goals he scored recently. He scored regular in the Premier League, and he's played for Scotland. He's scoring goals for Scotland. So it's a funny game, football. But um, and it just shows you that if he at that moment in time has struggled for confidence or the club wasn't the right fit or he wasn't um, playing in a system that suited him all of a sudden you get a couple of years of air where he's unbelievably good you know people are Dundee United is now basing their full team around what suits him um, and ah, he goes for strength to strength all credit to him and, but ah, so, so the St Mern spell was great I loved it um, but to go back to my Dundee spell it was a strange one is what I would say it was a strange one I was quite disappointed is what I would say and and I think a couple of months into the season it became apparent as to what was expected of me. I think Paul Hartley had, had signed me as a number nine who was to stay in the box and you know I, I made a career at Falkirk through dropping deep and getting involved in the play mm-hmm. getting out wide, contributing with assists as much as goals, being heavily involved in the play and if I wasn't scoring I was still contributing to the team. Now in terms of my goal scoring I think by December time I'd scored between I think I'd scored about eight Premier League goals um, at the start of December, which mm. was great. My form dipped slightly towards Christmas, <coughs> and the problem was what was being asked of me at Dundee. No, to really get involved in the play, but to stay higher up the pitch, I wasn't a hold-up player. I wasn't going to win flick-ons. So if I wasn't scoring, I felt like I wasn't contributing. So I never scored for a couple of games, and I ended up out the team. Kane Hemmings is my good friend. He'd signed at the same time and he'd really struggled for the first six months. Then they, they put him in and changed the formation and played one up front against Hamilton uh, mid-December. Keno scored a hat-trick and for that point forward was the best player in the league without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. He was unplayable for six months. He ended up getting nominated for player of the year. Um, I stayed in the team out wide left again for uh, maybe eight or nine games and I did okay, Scott, like... I was in the team and I was staying in the team because we were doing well. I don't think we lost a game in those eight games, but you know, you could have put anyone out there. I, I was just running back. I was doing a job for the team, but then we go to Ibrox and we played, even to be fair, we played Celtic at Parkhead and got a 0-0 draw and I, mm-hmm. I did fine, but then we played Rangers in the Cup and I played out left. Um, and we get beat 4-0. We got absolutely hammered and I was, I ended up doubling up as a left fullback and I, I was just totally, it was totally alien to me. And I fell out the team and I didn't really play again that season. So although I kind of started 25 games or whatever else, it, it was a season of two halves, put it that way. Mm-hmm. I'd started so, so well, um, scored a lot of goals. And then the other half of the season, my confidence had dipped. I hadn't played so well. Kane was on fire. You had Greg Stewart as well, Gary Harkins. You know, you're going for that step for Falkirk to Dundee where it's Championship to Premier League. And there's maybe two or three other players in your position as opposed to maybe one. And if you're not playing, other people are getting opportunities. So I had, you know, when Kane scored that hat-trick and things, I had no complaints about being out of the team. I just had to stomach it. I had to swallow it because the team was doing well. But it gets to the following season and Kane signs for yeah, Oxford. Greg goes to Birmingham. Manager tells me, right, first game of the season, you're going to be starting at 
uh, Ross County. Brilliant, fair enough. Started up front, scored two goals. We won 3-1. What a start to the season. Unbelievable. In team of the week and every paper gone. Um, you know, being talked about the highlights of sports scene, all the things that come with having a good game, which you enjoy. Then the following week, we played Rangers, played up front myself, and wasn't in the game. Didn't play particularly well. Chris Sutton slaughtered me on the on the BT Sports. Um, but I'm still thinking, well, it's two games in. We've got three points away at Ross County. We've got beat by one goal at home to Rangers. It's no disaster by any stretch. Mm-hmm. We had Hamilton at home in the next game. Played in that game. I hit the post, did fine. And then I just never played. He just never picked me again. Um, and that's when I ended up going on loan. So, you know, I was quite happy to be on the bench for Dundee in the first season when I could look at it as a, you know, I could take a step back and go, well, I can see why I'm not playing. But second season, like, he just made his mind up. Mm-hmm. He just literally made his mind up. And I, there was nothing I could have done at that point. I don't know. I, he put me in a game for 60 minutes against Partick Pistol at home. And it never went particularly well. We'll get taken off after 60 minutes. And that's that's how I ended up at some Um mm-hmm. And like I said, my relationship with the manager at that point was, was fine. Um, I'd went on loan because I wasn't playing. I didn't really understand why I wasn't playing, but I ended up going on loan, having a great six months. Um, and then after that loan spell, I was still a Dundee player, but Neil McCann was the manager. Yeah. He wanted to keep me because he knew I could sift out a goal. Um, I'd, in my head, I'd, I'd left Dundee. I'd, I didn't want to be at Dundee anymore. So ended up moving on to Dundee. And at that point, they'd said, well, you can leave, but we don't want you signing for another Premier League team. So they wrote that into the kind of release, the agreement that you can leave, but you can't sign for another SPL team. Um, so I had Falkirk, St Mullen and Dunfermline all chasing after me in the, in the championship. So kind of understood that that was going to be my next move at that point. Mm-hmm. And what was Falkirk? What was your signing spell at Falkirk like? Um... So going into my second spell at Falkirk, it was obviously it wasn't good. Um, Peter Houston was the manager, so I had a, a, listen. I was at a point in my career where I had three clubs chasing me. At that point, you know, I earned good money at Dundee. The Fermanagh were offering me the most money, but I didn't want to go to Fermanagh. I wanted to go to St Mirren or I wanted to go to um, Falkirk. I liked Jack Ross. I liked Peter Houston. It was a coin flip. It it really was a coin flip. Like mm-hmm. I had no preference as to where I wanted to go. The way I made my decision was that I'd actually experienced success at some Like, having that last day with the fans, keeping them up, having that full experience of that last six months was was amazing. So I felt like all I'd experienced at Falkirk was disappointment, even though we'd had such a good team and such a good relationship with the yeah. fans and the club and the board. But we'd just missed out in the league. We'd just missed out on a Scottish Cup. I wanted to go back there and win something or do something that, you know, that we could be remembered by it, Falkirk. So, and they'd done so well. They'd got to the playoff finals and things the year before. So during that period of time, though, I was going through quite a lot off the pitch, is what I would say. And I was really starting to struggle with a lot of stuff off the pitch. You know, I'm quite happy to be honest in saying that. And even at St Mirren, I was struggling with a lot of things. But Jack Ross, I think, noticed that early doors and managed to get me into a space where I could perform on a Saturday, and which was great. Went to Falkirk. I thought moving back down to Dundee and being at Falkirk, it would it would help with a lot of things. But I started the season fine in the Betfred Cup, but I wasn't playing well at all in terms of the league. The problem I had was that, just coincidentally, a lot of players who'd played so well for years, just for whatever reason, were just going through a bad period of form as well. So 
it got to it got to a game against Livingston that I hadn't played particularly well most of the season. And I was going to go and say to the gaffer, "Listen, I'm I'm struggling with a lot of things away from football at the moment. Like I need yeah. a spell. I need a spell. I just need a, a spell out of the team." But we'd went in, I'd went in that day, and another one of the boys had actually come in with an injury and said, "Listen, I can't play." So I felt at that point I can't go and say no that I can't play either. So I ended up thought right. I'm going to play the day, give my all, see how it goes. So anyway, we played Livy, and this was Livy's part of Livy's transition where they started to go up and up and up. Yeah. Livy did well, they beat us, and I was going to go and speak to the manager the next day, but at that point, he was sacked. Um, and I, and it was it was horrible because I loved Peter Houston, I loved working under him, and I loved everything about the way he worked. And obviously then Paul Hartley came in, if he'd done, if he Falkirk, if he'd done D, sorry. They'd appointed him, which to be fair, at the time I wasn't, you know, I think people have this, you know, Falkirk and Dundee fans think that I had this mad dislike for Paul Hartley. Like, see, at that point in time, I never played, so I went on loan at St. Mun. Like, it's completely normal that mm-hmm. you do that if you're not playing. I didn't have any form of um, dislike for Paul Hartley. Now, <clears throat> when he came in, I probably didn't have the relationship I had with, with him that I did have with Peter Houston, so I didn't feel I could go and speak to him. Mm-hmm. So I tried to play through it for a couple more weeks. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I trained for a couple more weeks. I wasn't in great condition. Um, I wasn't where I should have been. And I understood that and I knew that. And I was trying to deal with that myself and get into a position where I could challenge to be playing every week. The manager did give me a couple of weeks off. Um, whilst I try to sort things out, but I couldn't really manage to do that in my head. And I came back and the manager's attitude had kind of ch- changed and shifted. And I was just kind of, I, I was just kind of pushed to the side and mm. left left to get on with it myself. I wasn't included in match the squads. I wasn't, in, and listen, I get it. I get it. I wasn't in a position to compete on a Saturday, but I was really, really struggling with a lot of things. I really was. Um, and ultimately, that that had a big effect on it. But I I don't want a. I love Falkirk. I love the club. I love the people, and I, I love to see them doing well again. And listen, see on reflection, I I don't hold any bad feeling towards the manager at the time. I do. I feel it could have been dealt with better. I absolutely. Do I feel that they could have looked after me a wee bit better? I absolutely. But could I have? Could I and should I have done more? I I should have as well. So I understood why I wasn't being picked. I understood why. It was what it what it was like. I wasn't performing well enough, and I was out of the team. And it got to the summer, and I felt in a better space, <clears throat> and I wanted to come back and give it a go. But by that point, I just it, I wanted to come back, but the club were like, "We think it's best for everybody if we come come to agreement and, and move on." And that point there was like, right, I just want to move on from football now. I want to, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of things away from football for. Probably, probably two years. Like I said, the the, the St. Mun spell, I managed to find it in myself, and Jack Ross was brilliant with me, and that really helped. But you know, I, I just wanted to move on to football, so I thought if I could get part time at Dumbarton, have a job, that balance would be good, and I could maybe rediscover my form. But it just with injury and with with work and things like that, it just never really transpired, mm-hmm. is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And that's why I took that kind of leap of faith with Sky started on a completely different journey. I look back and I have regrets. You know, I don't, regrets is maybe too strong, but I wish things had been slightly different. I wish I'd maybe been more open and more honest um, 
and tried to convey how I was feeling and maybe why things were the way they were. But nobody's perfect. And yeah, um, so I look back, my career just kind of frittered out is what I would say, and people probably don't understand why. Um, and I'll not delve into the final details, but you know, it was a hard time for me and it really, really was. And I look back and I feel I let the club down in my second spell, which I'm still disappointed about. But like I said, people make mistakes. And in terms of my, my move to Dumbarton, at that point with my back injury and things, after that happened and I couldn't contribute to Dumbarton either, I was like, nah, I need to get myself away doing something else. And as I touched on at the start of the call, I, I just don't know where... You don't know where to go as a footballer if, if that's what you... And I'm not a daft boy. Like I've, mm-hmm. I'm intelligent enough. I speak well enough. I've got a good enough education. But at 16, if you leave, you can't walk into any other job other than... Aye. So mm-hmm. I had my UA for A licence and B licence. I went and got those. I'd committed a lot my own time um, and sacrificed a lot to be able to get those. So technically, I could go into management. I could go into coaching. But at 32, when you're still seen as a player and things, it's much more difficult than four years down the line when you're 36, you're finishing playing. They say to you, oh, can you take the team or can you help out? Can you do a bit of coaching? It's a, it's a transition to go through no playing, to being a manager or a coach. It's much more difficult. And in football, the same as any environment, really, Scott, you kind of get in through your contacts. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't probably at the right age. So like I said, I took that leap of, leap of faith with Sky and that coupled with my UFA license and the experience I've had working in kind of the corporate world over the last two years has put me in a place where I, um, I'm feeling good. I've got a lot of experience now in management and coaching through Sky and mm-hmm. through foot, through football, through, through a lot of things. So I've kind of got a plan moving forward as to, to where I would like to be and things. So. Brilliant. Last question. Who are some of the best players you've played with and what are your favourite stories from your days playing football? Um, I mean, there's a number of players who were really, really good to play with. I mean, if you count my time at Rangers, where you know the majority of this was training, it was the playing because I only made two appearances. Mm-hmm. But again, I suppose they played in the reserve team. Barry Ferguson's a standout, obviously. Um, Stevie Davis as well, I'll never forget. The first day he signed in his first spell for Rangers, he came round to train with the youth team because the first team won the training that day. So he comes round and he's a sweet small guy, no much to him. His jumper was hanging over his hands. We were like, he can't just sign for the first team. Came round and nobody could get the ball. <laughs> he was he was he was amazing to be fair, really, really good. And then obviously went round playing with the first team and he was there and he was exactly the same with the first team. Nobody yeah. could get the nobody could get the ball off him. And he's went on to went on to have a two unbelievable spells with Rangers. Obviously the second this spell now is has been defined this season as to how good he's been. So mm-hmm. um he, he, him, Barry Ferguson, and Pedro Mendes as well was was obviously different gravy. Mendes. Oh, he was so good, so so good. Um, Vice was good as well. He was very skillful. Um, on a Saturday, he was <laughs> he would used to drive players up the wall. He had honestly the most confidence I've ever seen in a player. Um, he he was extremely skillful and nice to watch. Um, but in terms of the, the the other parts of my career, I mean the the two years I had it. Do you know who the most underrated player is who I've always thought this? See, see the kind of the, the spell where I was at Rangers? One of the best trainers. Now, Kenny Miller. Kenny Miller was always known when I was growing up or, you know, mid-teens or whatever else as a workhorse. Mm-hmm. He'll run about, he'll work his socks off. See that spell at Rangers when he was there? See going around to train with the first team? See his game knowledge? See his mm-hmm. understanding of the game? See his movement? See his touch? Second to none. 
I mean, I'm talking about your Barry Fair. Obviously, he's played at a high level, Kenny Miller, but like I said, I think that his reputation was always, especially when he played with Scotland and in European games with Rangers, it was very much, you play Kenny Miller up front, he'll work, work his nuts off and he'll force yeah. a minute mistake. But I felt like that was always so unfair because as a footballer, he was different class. He really was. He did not look out of place when it came to the box, like the wee Toro boxes, uh, small-sided games and things. He was so sharp. He's, he's so quick. Um, with his thinking and his movement. So, and as someone who was a striker themselves, and me, and you know, as I got older, I lost a bit of my pace, especially after my leg break. But when I was a young boy, I learned so much from him for just watching him. He was mm-hmm. he was excellent, really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Lee Miller was excellent as well in the two years at Carlisle. Obviously, he'd had a great career up in Scotland as well. Um, he was he was different class as well, but. I, listen, I've played with a number of players across my career who have been good, even down in England. Um, played with my boy Ben Marshall, who um, is, I don't know what he does now, but he, he was excellent. He went on to play for Leicester and you know, moving for six-figure sums. When I was down at Carlisle, he was he was an exceptional talent as well. Um, so I've been lucky enough to play with, with a lot of big names in terms of being at Rangers. Um, so Mick McGovern as well was a goalie. He was, yeah, definitely. Uh, he's different class as well. Um, he's honestly the nicest guy you'll ever meet and the softest guy you'll ever meet and then he'd actually throw himself in front of a bus to stop a goal in the net <laughs> he just used to love it getting hit in the face getting hit anywhere just to stop the ball going in the net which is what you want for your keeper but off the pitch you would never expect it from him but he was brilliant really good captain um, so I um, played with a lot of good players as well but one of the stories that stands out for me from football was probably um so what used to happen in the European games would be he would, as I just touched on there, he would play Kenny Miller up front. He would then play, put Kyle Lafferty on the bench in case something happened to Kenny or the last 10, 15 minutes of the game, he would put him on and I would be in the stand. So mm. that was kind of the three strikers he would take with him on European trips for a spell. Don't get me wrong, you had other players like your Naismiths and different people who could, could fill in there, but that generally yeah. speaking was the squad he took. So we played Man United at home in the Champions League. So I goes, but I make the bench this time. So I'm sitting on the bench Amazing experience initially. Anyway, um, we get speak one 0 Rooney scored the penalty. Rooney scored the penalty. Mm-hmm. Aye. Um, so we're walking in and I'm looking for somebody to swap my tap with. So I've got the balls and the cones and the bibs and all that, taking them in for the bench. So I says, "Oh, can I have your top to Chicharito the uh, Hernandez?" He says, "Aye, no worries." Takes it off, hands it to me. I says, "Oh, thanks." I goes to walk on. He goes, "Hey, hey, hey," and he wanted my top, and I was like, "What do you want my top for? <laughs> I'm a nobody. I'm a sub." I had to drop all my boys, all the bibs and all that, take the tap off, hand it to him. Um, so I walked into the changing room and the drug testing guys were in. Um, and I always seemed to get picked for drug testing, regardless of when it happened or when it was. So um calls out the two numbers. So it's myself. And it was another young boy at the time who I'm still friends with now, Ross Perry. Yeah. Uh, is it Darvel? Uh, now, is he? Aye. 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 Um, I knew he was there, but I didn't know if he was still there. Um, so he comes in and we get sat down or whatever else. And I'm not even thinking... Two guys for the Man United squad that picked. So they'd obviously been picked first. So I walk in, right? And Paul Scholes is sitting there. So he's just sat, he's just sat there. So me and me and Ross sit down. Now I'm busting for the toilet. So I obviously need to pee to do the, the drug test. They're like, guys, just let us know when you need to go. But I'm like, well, I'm sitting with Paul Scholes. I need to make the most of this. I'm not going to admit that I need the toilet just yet. But then I can hear another Man United player in the shower and he's singing. So I'm like, I wonder who that is. Right. So anyway, we sat, 
and me and Ross sat and spoke, spoke to Paul Scholes for about half an hour, 45 minutes. He was telling telling us how he supports Oldham and talking about his experiences um, when he was a young boy at Man United and uh-huh. how coming through there was. And we were chatting about Rangers and we had a, a discussion for about half an hour, 40 minutes, which was you know such a nice guy. It was like, you know, Paul Scholes is kind of that reputation at Man United where he wouldn't do interviews and he just wanted to get on. And he came across like that. He really did. He came across like somebody, you'd, you know, you went to the pub, you'd sat down, you got to speak to a guy next to you. That's how it was. It was that natural. There was you would never have known. And obviously, watching him play as well, he was he was a superstar. So that was an unbelievable experience. So after about I don't know half an hour, forty minutes, when the conversation had kind of uh, frizzled out, I was like, right, okay, I'll meet you now. This guy's still in the shower. So I goes round and um, he's got two bottles of beer sitting at the side where the soap should be. Just see this hand coming in, bringing the beer in. Pulls it back and it was Berbatov. <laughs> so I've done the pee and he sat the um, and I've sat it up next uh, up on the side. He pulls the curtain back and he's like, "Don't get those two mixed up." As if it was his beer. He's going to pull it around and take a big swig of it. Um, so I so that that was really obviously a really cool experience. Um, uh, doing that and you know just sitting talking to schools as if he was one of my pals. Um, so I that amongst obviously all the European trips. Um, playing at Hamden in the Scottish Cup final, playing at Wembley in the Johnson's Paint final, uh, trophy lifting it, walking the steps at Wembley. Um, aye, so um, some really, really good good times in football, some really, really good ones. We also played with a boy, Craig Curran as well. He was he was up at Ross County, Dundee United, mm-hmm. playing for Dundee for a spell as well. But he was part of the Jim McIntyre team who went up to Dundee United and, eh, sorry, Ross County was part of that. You know that team that escaped relegation that were like bottom of the league or whatever else? Um, he he was a scout son. He was mental, Scott. Mental. Was he? Oh, mental. So I played with Carlisle with him. Um, at Carlisle with him. So he used to. Ah, he was a joker. Like he would. He had a brass neck. He, he did. He would get up to all sorts. All sorts. Um, a lot of it I can't even repeat on here. One of the stories. I, one of the stories I will tell you is we used to have an American guy called Frank Simic as well. Right. Um, he was from Missouri, and like, don't get me wrong. Every single day you would walk into training, and. You wouldn't be looking your best, put it that way. Everyone came in in casual clothes, but Frank took it to extremes where, like, it, the stuff he wore looked like it was, I don't know, 50 years. It was ridiculous. And he used to have a pair of trainers, and Craig Curran used to slaughter them all the time for these trainers, which were manky. So Craig was Craig was injured one day. This is probably the tamest thing he's ever done. We we all go we go all go training, so we're training or whatever else. Come back in. Like, you smell that? Burning? What's burning? And all of a sudden, Frank's, Where's my trainers? Craig had started a fire in the in the showers and put Frank's trainers on the fire and burned them to ashes. Um, so I that was just one of the one of the few stories about him. He was he was nuts, but Frank wasn't too happy with him that day. Had, oh, to, go his, had to go him in his bare feet, but that was that was that was quite funny. Um, quite enjoyed that. But he used to go up to all sorts, but no, I mean football brings. Funny stories. That's a story Mark Wilson would like. I can picture Mark doing that to somebody's trainers. No. Um, but no, football throws up so many different experiences and throw, so many different random things that you would never expect, like sitting with Paul Scholes or being involved in the Champions League or breaking your leg in three places and all the things that come with it and all the ups and downs and the highs and lows. So you know, I was lucky to be involved in it for 15 years, but with my license behind me, with the management experience I've now got within Sky, you know, looking in the very near future to become a permanent manager within Sky, I certainly will be putting myself out there in terms of any 
footballing, you know, management roles, coaching roles, mm-hmm. if the time's right and if they feel that I'm ready to do that. Um, I'm also I also really enjoy listening to phone-ins, podcasts, interviews. So, you know, that is something as well which I, I would like to go down in terms of mm-hmm. getting involved in that and being part of that, whether it's a debate, whether it's discussing, you know, kind of current affairs within football, something which is always interesting me, um, something which I would love to get into. So there's loads of different things that are, that excite me at the moment. Um, certainly Sky is going to be my mainstay. That's going to be my grounding where I earn my wage and I enjoy my job. Mm-hmm. And then on the back of that, like I said, you know, part-time football with the experience I've got, I feel I could really do a job now going in as a manager um, in uh, at a club. So aye, I don't know what the future holds for me, but that's certainly something that interests, interests me. Doing, this, doing these interviews and, uh, and, and chatting to people and uh, discussing these things is something I would love to get into as well. You know, any opportunities that come up, I'll, I'll put myself forward. So, yeah, there's a lot of things on the horizon after a, quite a difficult spell in my own life where I'm now at a stage where I can I can I, I can look forward to the future. Brilliant. That's we'll, we'll finish recording.